I'm reaching the message this morning on compassion. How many have ever read uh, Jeremiah's book of Lamentations? Lamentations is sorrow he has. But listen to what it says in chapter 3, verse 22. Verse, excuse me. <laughs> chapter 3, verse 21. This I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. Verse 22, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. How many know that God is fully uh, justified in wiping the face of the earth clean of humans and destroying everything? God would be fully justified in doing so to punish man's rebellion. But because his compassions fail not, because of his mercies, we are not consumed. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I hope in him. Well, this morning's uh, uh, scripture, I felt God impress upon me to use this um, episode in, Roman, in uh, Mar Matthew's gospel in chapter 9. It's a very uh, eventful chapter in the Bible. He comes to his own city. Chapter 4, he'd uh, been tempted in the wilderness. Um, he uh, has made his ministry headquarters. He hears in chapter 4 after the um, temptation uh, in the wilderness, he's in Nazareth, and he, because he's a Nazarene, that's where he grew up. And he hears that John the Baptist is in prison, and the Bible says he leaves and goes to Galilee. And he makes Capernaum, which is on the north side of the Sea of Galilee, his headquarters. In verse 23 of chapter 4, he heals all kinds of sickness, all kinds of diseases. And it says a great multitude from everywhere came. It lists locations, uh, the city Decapolis, which was the ten cities to the uh, east, I believe it was, from all over the place, even people from Jerusalem, they heard, they didn't even have cell phones and the internet, and they heard that this man Jesus was in Capernaum healing people, performing miracles, and they came by the multitudes, multitudes. In chapter 5, verse 6, and uh, chapter 5, 6, and 7, he preaches his famous Sermon on the Mount there in Capernaum, his headquarters. In chapter 8, he performs various miracles. He heals a leper. He heals a centurion's servant simply by speaking a word. He heals Peter's mother-in-law. By the way, Peter had a mother-in-law because he had a wife. He was not celibate. He wasn't, uh, uh, he wasn't a pope. Pope doesn't have a wife. Peter had a wife. Peter was not the pope. Okay? Just to say, and I, I'm telling you that because I grew up as a Catholic. Anyway, in verse 23, they're going to go across to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and a great storm comes up, and Jesus is sleeping in the boat. And the disciples are Jesus, don't you care that we're going to die? And Jesus gets up and he looks at them and he says, where's your guys' faith? Watch this. All right, settle down. 
and the wind and the waves obey him and they look at him and they say, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? And Jesus tell them, basically, you guys can do the same. And they kind of get it. He gets over to the other side after the storm is calm. And in Matthew's gospel, two demon-possessed men came running out and, and, and uh, Jesus sets them free by telling the demons, you can go in the pigs. And the pigs run down the mountain in the, to the water and they drown. What a strange occurrence. Listen to what it says in verse 28 of chapter 8. The whole city comes out to see what happened, and instead of saying, wow, that was awesome, these guys were nuts, they were insane, nobody could deal with them, they had to run away from them, they would, the, the Bible says in the one of the accounts, that the one guy even broke chains off of himself, running around in the tombs, cutting himself with stones, this guy was out of his mind, he was a lunatic, and they come, and in one of the other Gospels, it says the city, the, everyone comes out and they marvel because this guy is sitting there clothed because he used to run around naked, clothed and in his right mind. And what do they say? The whole city asked Jesus to leave. A mighty miracle took place. And they say, oh, sorry, we can't have that here. Are you people crazy? Bring out some more insane people. Get them healed too. No, no, no. Get Jesus out of here. Good grief. What is wrong with these people? So in chapter 9, he goes back to Capernaum. Okay, you don't want me here? Oh, no problem. How many know Jesus doesn't always go where he's not invited? Sometimes he does. But most of the times, if Jesus is not invited, people, he won't come. It's okay, fine. Have it your way. Have it your way. Go on and live like you want. No problem. You can do whatever you want. Once we get saved, though, the Bible says that we can do whatever we want. Paul writes, he says in Romans, he says, all things, I believe it's in Romans, are lawful for me. However, not all things are profitable. Not all things will build you up in the kingdom of heaven. So use a little bit of wisdom, amen? Use a little bit of wisdom. Hallelujah. In chapter 9, he's back in Capernaum. He heals a paralytic man by telling him your sins are forgiven, and that causes a controversy. In verse 9, he calls Levi, Matthew, the tax collector, come follow me. In verse 18, he goes and raises a little girl from the dead. On the way, a woman with the issue of blood comes pushing through the crowd and touches the hem of his garment and is instantly healed. I like what Jesus says, hey, who touched me? <laughs> and the disciples go, what do you mean you touched me? The crowd's all around you. Everyone's touching you. He said, no, somebody's, something special happened, he says, because I felt virtue or power go out from me how many ever felt the presence of God physically felt God touch you that 
is your right and your privilege in the kingdom of God. Every so often, we wouldn't be able to handle it if God touched us all the time. But every once in a while, if you seek God, God, you will feel the presence of God, the tangible presence of God. I pray and I wish and I hope that we would all be able to feel that more often. Amen the tangible presence of God. When people come in this place, they should be able to feel the tangible presence of God. I read a testimony, or I don't remember if it was online, wherever it was. A young lady, she got saved. Actually, it was online. This big, heavy pastor, he said, I went to get a haircut, and this crazy-looking girl, uh, she said, uh, you know, making conversation, finds out that she went... Somebody gave, showed them the, the Jesus movie. Her and her mom, they're all a bunch of drug addicts, a whole family, friends and everything. And she heard about this, this uh, where this guy works, and she went and bought a Bible. And she said, I have no idea what it's all about. Anyway, he says, <laughs> she comes to church and brings her boyfriend. And he says, oh, I feel sick. I better get out of here. And she tells him, she's a brand new convert. She tells him, that's just the devil. Just stay here. Okay. So before the service starts, the young man walks up to the front of the church after the worship, and he says, I want to get saved. <laughs> he didn't even know. He said, because his girlfriend told him, you got to come to church with me. God is in the music. You can feel God in the music, she said. Hallelujah. That wasn't in my sermon, but praise God. Hallelujah. Preaching about compassion. Dake's uh, Bible commentary says it's a characteristic of God and Jesus and should be a characteristic of believers also. Amen. We're supposed to have compassion. We're supposed to express compassion. We're supposed to feel compassion. Compassion, he goes on to say, is that drawing agitation of the innermost parts of the person at the sight of any distressed or miserable object or person. It causes revolution or revolting action. Hallelujah. In the innermost being to bring deliverance, excuse me, from such unlawful, inhuman misery and suffering. This is what Jesus displayed. Everywhere he went, he touched people's lives. Everywhere he went, even where there was little faith, he still did some miracles, amen? He still touched their lives. He still displayed and expressed his compassion and his love for people, his willingness to set the captives free. That's the whole story of Egypt. The illustration of Egypt being living in sin and Jesus paying the price to get us out of sin. Amen. The control of the enemy. Hallelujah. Praise God. I, uh, <clears throat> since I had cancer and had it surgically removed, I somehow got a subscription to a magazine for cancer patients and survivors. And I was reading it the other day, or last week, and I came across this phrase that intrigued me. And I looked it up on the internet. It's called the science of compassion. The science of compassion. I thought, science? 
compassion, science, huh? And so, lo and behold, the science of compassion, according to an article in Frontiers of Psychology, Mr. David Hayward of Ascension of St. John Hospital says that it's, uh, that there is a way for caregivers like nurses and things like that to be trained for compassionate caring. And uh, several of the other uh, contributors to the article, Mr. Paul Gilbert of the University of Derby in the UK says it's a sensitivity to suffering in others, and listen to this, and a commitment to try to alleviate suffering and prevent it. A commitment to try to alleviate suffering and prevent it. Jennifer Mascaro and others of the Emory University School of Medicine in Atlanta, Georgia, is quoted saying, it's a benevolent emotional response toward another person who is suffering coupled with the motivation to relieve their suffering and promote their well-being. Part of this training for sensitivity and and, um, uh, compassionate caring has a, a, uh, an aspect of it called um, compromising uh, or uh, compassionate responding. The opposite of it is ego-preserving, which compromises compassion. But the problem is that people sometimes get burned out when they are caring compassionately for someone. And one of the things that helps to keep going is the way you think. Different brain waves are activated when you express compassion for someone. You could, and the problem is, uh, people have a bad uh, self-image of themselves sometimes, and they're they're self-critical, and that defeats you. They're kind of like, uh, uh, um, (laughs) this is kind of funny, in Psalms chapter 22, verse 6, where David the king writes, he says, but I'm a worm and not a man. (laughs) I'm a worm and not a man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. What an awful self-image. I'm a worm. (laughs) You know what happens to worms? (laughs) They eat dirt. We could, on the other hand, and listen, actually, before I proceed, listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. You are restricted by your own affections. Isn't that amazing? You are, Paul writes, he says, you are restricted by your own affections. In other words, what we put our minds on or what we focus our attention on could hinder what God wants to do. Amen? On the other hand, self-reassurance actually helps your nervous system get involved. We know that Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Sometimes you have to preach to yourself and encourage yourself. Amen? Praise God. Okay, so let's look at the scriptures here. Jesus went about all the cities, villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease 
among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Let's stop right there for a second. This word weary in the old King James or my new King James uh, Bible has a note there that it could also be translated harassed. Anybody ever feel harassed by the enemy? Oh, no, life is all. You cannot tell people getting saved. You tell them that getting saved is the best thing that could happen to you, but it's not going to be easy. I think it's C.S. Lewis. He said, if you want an easy religion, forget about Christianity. Don't, don't go that way because it's not always easy. Amen? But the good thing is, the good news is that we have the power of God, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the Bible says, dwells in us. The same spirit. Somebody drew a painting, or no, someone painted a painting, and the, the title of the painting is First Day in Heaven. That's a young lady, and she's uh, run up, and she's embraced Jesus, and she's got the look of tremendous joy on her face. Amen. We have something to look forward to. Amen. Not only uh, in the future, but we also have hope that God will help us here in this life. Amen. God is a very present help in time of trouble, the Bible says. But it seems like it's always a time of trouble. <laughs> Amen. Do you feel harassed sometimes by your thoughts, by distractions, uh, by problems? Anybody ever have any problems? Amen. Welcome to the club. That's life. <laughs> Praise God. But there's a God who loves us, who has compassion on those who are harassed. Amen. That's good news. Hallelujah. He has compassion. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful. Oh, forgot the pointer. Aha. <laughs> uh -huh. The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. God is calling you and I to care for people. Amen? To love people. The problem is we have to love people that don't love us back sometimes. Amen? Everybody ever happened that? Uh, oh, you know, you bend over backwards for somebody and they just kick dirt at you. It's like, okay, see if I help you again. No, 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 no. God wants us to keep making that effort. Amen? Hallelujah. <clears throat> so, one of the interesting things I found in the article on uh, compassionate caring was that, um, what's that word? OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder patients. They're kind of crazy. People... With that, that uh, affliction, some of them are treatment resistant. Nothing works. It, what's amazing, though, is that some of those patients experience significant reduction by activating the patient's personal self-soothing capacities. In other words, they were able to calm themselves down by getting trained or having them focus on things that are good. The Bible says that your faith becomes effective by the acknowledging of every good thing that's within you in Christ Jesus. 
Paul wrote and he said, I know in my flesh there dwells no good thing. However, there are good things in Christ that's in you. Amen? Praise God. So we should, we need to encourage ourselves. There is a, uh, 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 a science, or in the science of compassion, they have something called sustainable compassion training. It uses steps that build on one another to help respond to people with unconditional care and discernment for the right action. If you don't know what to do, pray. Amen? God eventually will give you the answer. We need discernment for right action. We need to give people unconditional care. Amen? Hallelujah. Listen to what this uh, article went on to say. They had, uh, uh, did a study on people who were receiving compassionate care. And in the hospital, they put up pictures and videos of people doing compassionate, caring care things helping one another. And it made this amazing statement that people who were shown uh, acts of kindness and involved in the study, they were more relaxed and more likely to donate their earnings from participation in the study simply by seeing other images or people being kind and engaging in compassionate action. Hallelujah. In the old days, before we became uh, an agricultural society and then an industrial society, and all, there are still cultures in the world today that are mainly hunter-gatherer cultures, and, and they're considered primitive. However, there's a, an amazing difference between the hunter-gatherer cultures and the agricultural industrial cultures. We're more advanced because we're industrial. Yes, but the problem is the hunter-gatherer cultures, they're more of a caring and sharing culture, and the agricultural industrial culture is a controlling and holding idea. This competition, this is mine, and you're not getting it. Whereas in the Karen and Sharon is, I've got some, let's eat. Here, here's some for you, some for me. <laughs> There's a joke about communist Russia. <laughs> so, you're a communist. Yes, I'm, uh, I'm dedicated. Okay, well, if you had two cars, would you give me one? Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, if you had two houses, would you give me one? Oh, absolutely. If you had two chickens, would you give me one? No. What, what do you mean, no? Why not? Because I do have two chickens. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a controlling and holding. <laughs> that was from uh, uh, what's his name, Istek uh, uh, Shmirnov, I think. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Action, compassionate actions, and actually even seeing someone else engage in a kind or compassionate action. Re <coughs> excuse me, releases dopamine in your brain. Dopamine is the, the chemical that relaxes your, your brain. <clears throat> there are some people that think that your brain is just a bunch of chemicals. 
I don't believe that. I don't agree with that. Your brain is an amazing thing. God has given us a mind to use. Amen. <clears throat> Compassion is another definition. Compassion means to suffer with. It's the connection of suffering with another person that brings compassion from the realm of sympathy, feeling sorry for them, to the realm of empathy, where you feel the same thing for them and you're motivated to action. Hallelujah. So, our second scripture today, the Pharisees heard that Jesus silenced the Sadducees. They didn't believe in the resurrection from the dead. Did you know the Sadducees believed in the total annihilation of the person when they die? They didn't believe in and once you're dead, they thought, that's it, you're gone. <clears throat> but Jesus, not only that, but the Sadducees only believed in the first five books of the Bible, the, the Pentateuch. So Jesus tells them, you know what? They, they try and trick Jesus. Hey, this guy had uh, a wife, and Moses said uh, if he dies, uh, then the brother's supposed to raise up uh, kids to the family. And uh, uh, the, the wife had uh, uh, one after another. The brothers died. There was five of them. Whose wife will she be <clears throat> in the resurrection from the dead? And Jesus, knowing that they didn't even believe in the resurrection from the dead, he says, you know, you guys don't even know the, what, what you're talking about. You don't know the scriptures. Don't you remember in the, in the uh, when God spoke to Moses in the burning bush, he said, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And he goes, Jesus tells him, God's not, th those guys are still alive. That's why God told him he's their, their God. <laughs> God's not the God of the dead, but of the living. And so they, they can't answer anything anymore concerning Jesus. And so the Pharisees heard that Jesus silenced the the Sadducees. Oh, cool. Okay, well, let's ask them a trick question then. And this episode is in Mark's Gospel, chapter 22, Mark's Gospel, chapter 12, and Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. And they, they uh, in one of them, in the two, in uh, Mar Matthew and Mark's Gospel, they ask Jesus the question, and Jesus answers them. In Luke's Gospel, he says, uh, what do you say? How do you read it? And this, they say, what's the best, what's the, uh, the greatest commandment of the law? And Jesus goes beyond their expectations. He gives them two. <laughs> See, you guys are so smart. There's not just one, there's two. The greatest commandment, Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And in, in, uh, in Luke's gospel and Matthew and Mark's gospel, he adds your strength, four things or three things. This is the first and great commandment. And he says the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And this is where compassion comes into play, to love your neighbor as yourself. I remember telling one guy I was working with many years ago, he's a grouchy guy. I said, you know, God loves you. He said, I don't even love myself, he said. That's it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's a cure for that. <laughs> it's called forgiveness. It's called the new birth. Amen. Praise God. People that lash out at others, people that are nasty and mean, they're hurting. That's why they're nasty and mean, because they're hurting. 
and they need healing. And that's what the new birth is for, hallelujah, to change the nature of the person on the inside, to find that they're acceptable in the beloved, that what Jesus did on the cross is more than enough to make you acceptable to God. Hallelujah. That's good news. Self-care in this compassion training and science is necessary in order to avoid compassion fatigue. Self-care. You need to take care of yourself. You need to encourage yourself, the Bible says. Hallelujah. The scribes who tried to confront Jesus, they believed that there were a total of 613 laws. 248 of them were affirmative laws. 365, one for every day of the year, were negative laws. You do this, and this is going to happen. This will, do this, and you'll be blessed. And it just so happens that these guys probably believed in numerology also because the total adds up to 613, which is the exact number of words in the Ten Commandments. Be that as it may. <laughs> Love God, the greatest commandment. You don't even need all 613 commandments. Don't worry about them. <laughs> Everything will be perfect if you follow these two. Love God. And love your neighbor as yourself. Praise God. Love God with your heart, with your inward affections and emotions, with your soul, your consciousness, your personality, with your mind, your thoughts. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16 says, We have the mind of Christ. What a blessing. Hallelujah. But the problem is... Many people are madly in love with themselves. Where You don't have to teach a child. Once they're born, they're selfish. Self-centered, everything revolves around them. I'm hungry. I want this. I want that. Me, me, me. And it's not opera. Praise God. Me, me, me. Self-preservation. Me, 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 me. <laughs> Praise God. Self-preservation is the exact opposite. The problem in the whole world is people love themselves more than anything else. Amen? That's the problem. So Jesus tells them, and then in Luke it says that uh, the Pharisee, uh, the scribe says, you know, he tells them those, and, and Jesus says, you know what? Do that and you'll have eternal life. Do that. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself, and you will live. But the problem is we fight against self-love. When I went to uh, leadership training, <clears throat> one of the ways to get people on board with your ideas is you have to present it in such a way that they get some benefit out of it. So they they coined this. Our radio station is WIIFM. What's in it for me? And you present the idea to the people you're trying to win by telling them this is your benefit by following along with my idea. 
Hallelujah. Self-esteem affirmations must be biblical and must give honor to Jesus. And of course, if you know, if you read uh, Luke chapter 10, the uh, the scribe says, uh, okay, Jesus, love my neighbor as myself. <laughs> well, then seeking to justify himself, he says, well, who's my neighbor? Well, it's guy lives next door to you and jesus tells him there was a certain man who on his way was uh, robbed and we get the story and it's not a parable by the way it's a real story and we know that because jesus says there was a certain man though jesus knows firsthand because he's god but he knows firsthand this is a true story a guy got robbed got beat and left for dead And a religious guy came by and walked on the other side of the road. And it was a Samaritan whom you Jewish people despise that actually helped the man. And that's where we get the good Samaritan laws from. You help somebody out of the goodness of your heart. You help somebody just because they need some help and you don't get any benefit out of it. Praise God. But if they give you their prized Chevrolet uh, Corvette, uh, then then you have a problem. (laughs) There's a story of a guy, he helped this man, and this guy was very wealthy, and in, in gratitude, he gave his prize, I think it was a 1959 Corvette convertible worth thousands of dollars to the guy that helped him. The man's son took the guy to court because he said, you violated this good Samaritan law by being compensated, so give that car back and just be a good neighbor and a good Samaritan. And we won because that's the way it works. <laughs> to be a good Samaritan, you do it out of compassion. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, I'll end with this. Uh, back in April, here in Tucson at the zoo, there was a, a volunteer event. There is an organization here in Arizona, in southern Arizona, called the Southern Arizona Volunteer Management Association. Guess how many nonprofit organizations were there? Nonprofit and volunteer organizations here in southern Arizona looking for people to help. Guess how many? 40. More than 40 volunteer organizations looking for people to help. People who would be moved with compassion to lend a hand to assist someone else. And it's not, uh, there's uh, something called altruism, which is you you do good just to do good. We're doing good. We want to do good. We want to help people because it's a command of Jesus, because it should be a reflection of our new nature that now that we're born again and saved, We should want to help people. We should want to be a blessing to people. They had volunteer and internship opportunities. Now, what does that relate to us? Well, if you have time and if you're inclined, look it up. The Southern Arizona Volunteer Management Association. Otherwise, get what Pastor Wayne says. Anything I can do, can I volunteer? Because people don't like to be voluntold, and there's something, something uh, about uh, servant leadership 
Did you know that servant leadership has been around for thousands of years? But it was only back in the 1970s that some motivational speaker decided to put that into uh, uh, the mix there in corporate America or around the world. Motivational speakers, uh, getting people to become servant leaders. So what's a servant leader? It's someone who is able to motivate others and is able to get them set up for success, is able to give them uh, what they need to go on and become successful in whatever endeavor they're in. So what does that have to do with church? Pray, first of all, God, what can I do? Where can I be used, God? God has made you and I usable, amen? No matter what flaws you have in your lives, I know I have plenty of flaws, no matter what flaws we have in our lives, God has made us usable simply because of the new birth. He has put a new spirit within us. Best, uh, Brother George has uh, been uh, uh, talking about at the men's meeting, our identity in Christ, who we are. The other morning, uh, as you know, my wife has been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. I come in to wake her up, and she looked at me and said, who are you? And I said, I'm a servant of the Most High God. Oh, okay. Are you a good guy? Yes, I am. <laughs> Praise God. You and I have been made usable for the kingdom of heaven. So pray, God, where can I be used? And then ask Pastor Wayne, what can I do to help in the kingdom of heaven? Amen. Here in this church, as you know, on our website, we have help available for people that need it. So praise God. Hallelujah. Love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Ask God. Because in order to keep that heart of compassion or that attitude where you want to help, we need God's help in that. Amen? I don't know about you, but there's times where I don't feel like doing anything. Amen? There's times I just feel like going back to sleep. <laughs> There's times that, but I know that God has called you and I to be his hands and his feet, his bank, so to speak, sometimes. God wants to use us. Let's cooperate with God. Amen. Hallelujah.